Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 270th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by Apeat.net and those sexy, sexy legends over at audiotechnica.com.au. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan 8 Bit. And joining me today, my podcast, Ride or Die, my partner, the hunter to my Titan. You can find her on them socials at Miss Ellie Hart. Miss Ellie Hart, how the bloody hell are you? I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging in there, Miss Hart. I'm hanging in there, barely. But uh, uh. I'm here. I'm surviving. I'm a bit tired, even though I went to bed. No, no, I didn't go to bed reasonably. Who, who am I kidding? I'm a bit yeah, tired. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I, I got a message. If I was awake to receive a message, you did not go to bed at an appropriate hour. Yeah, yeah. I went to. I think I fell asleep about 1.30 or so by the end of it. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. But we're here now. Episode Ooh. 270 of THG. The second episode of THG for 2022. Uh, back mm-hmm. in the more regular thg uh scheduling now going to be doing those monday sun or oh, sunday monday release depending on where you're in the world we've got a bit of bit of news to tackle talk about what we've been doing um mm-hmm. my goodness gracious we've got some big news to talk about today after talking about even bigger news just last week it's uh january was a month to remember miss hart it's like they just threw everything out in the court, didn't they? And then the next month is starting and we're just getting more and more and more announcements. It's wild. It's a crazy start to the year. And it doesn't look like it's going to be slowing down anytime soon, but we'll talk about no. all that and more in the very near future in this episode. But maybe we'll start, as we always do, with uh, what we've been up to this past week or so since we recorded episode 269. Nice. Nice. Miss Hart, what have you been doing? Tell me not the much, not much, unfortunately, no. I've been watching, like, just catching up on all the uh, series drops that kind of happened throughout the week and just prioritizing that. But in the in the time of gaming, I just, I've just been in this mood of just, like, I don't want to think. So I've just been, like, just hanging out in Minecraft and just, like, you know, plodding along while listening to Critical Role in the background just to kind of relax and unwind of the day, so... Not much, not much in the, new on the horizon in regards to video games. Yeah, that's fine. Everyone need, needs a little bit of a bit of a escapism, a little bit of mindless gaming here and there, and and it sounds like you've uh, you've had a good week of that. I've I've had a escapism of a different kind in the video game space. So uh, yeah, thanks to those legends over at Nintendo, I got tossed a key for Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is the oh. new Switch release. Obviously, it's been out now since around the 28th of January, depending on where you are in the world. So it's been out for about a week. Uh, I've rolled credits on the mainline story. I haven't completed the Pokedex yet. That is the, I guess you could say, the overarching goal outside of the the main narrative is to to complete this this uh this pokedex and and help the people of this uh sino regions uh yeah sort of scout and plan and understand pokemon because we've sort of we've we've gone throwback we've got a little bit of that uh you know not to try and lean too heavily into the anime love that i have we've got a bit of that isekai (laughs) vibe where you've had somebody from uh, a certain world get teleported into another world and that's that's sort of in essence what it is you're whether you're going to be the 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 male or the female pokemon trainer in air quotes you 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 get sucked through this portal you land up in this in this new region back before the the events of like pokemon diamond and pearl so it's way way throwback and you're sort of i guess unearthing and discovering pokemon for the first time and how they can integrate with society and you know can they be trusted and and the bond between human and pokemon and what that means and how they can how how you can all work together to live a better life so you're sort of the mm. the og pokemon trainer you could say in this game uh there there is a story over the top of that regarding the the portal that you got ripped through it's, it's causing rough shot around the region and need to go and quell like mythical pokemon to calm to calm them down to prevent any form of additional disaster or troubles in these these regions of Sino. but um 
it was fun. It was fine. I enjoyed it. It's it's good escapism. Like you were talking about uh, just losing some hours in Minecraft with with Critical Role in the background. Like I was playing this. I had the, the volume down on my Switch the entire time. I'd have stuff on the television that I'd sort of half watch at the same time. And I'd just run around, fight Pokemon, catch Pokemon, go to the next region, so on and so forth, get a little cutscene meet some new characters, battle my rival, all, all the Pokemon tropes that you used to that you've played if you played any of the mainline games. Um, but it's 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 good fun. Like it's the the mainline story, I think it took me about 25 hours to finish. Okay. And then on top of that, like seeing some of the some of the times to complete to get that Pokedex fully fully um, chalked up and to catch all these other legendary Pokemons that are now available after you finish that mainline story. There's, it's anywhere from 50 to 100 hours, depending on how crazy and specific you want to go with it. So there's a lot more there to sink your teeth into. 265 Pokemon available, uh, and that includes 242 different forms of Pokemon, you could say. Uh, there, there is some hybridization where there's a lot, instead of it just being, you know, typical, like it's a grass Pokemon, it'll be like grass and fighting, or like they're starting to mishmash a lot of the other types together to give you different strategies in battle mm. but for the most part it feels like you either got to one shot the enemy first or they're going to one shot you first potentially like it felt like 85 percent of the battles i was fighting whatever they'd toss out first would have some type of super effective move that's either going to knock my pokemon down in one or i've got to shoot him first it was very like western pistols at oh, dawn sort of thing yeah mm. you know some of the other pokemon games where it was a bit more strategic and you might have like a 10 move exchange and you're popping potions or, or berries yeah. to, to sort of heal. It rarely happened in this. It was like, I really? hit you or you hit me. And that's going to be the winner of this exchange. Like it wasn't very strategic at times. Doesn't that really void the traditional sense of, I, that, that's all I've ever known with the Pokemon game is there's a lot of back and forth. Yeah. There, there wasn't much. Like there was a few battles that I had that were pretty spicy and did a bit of back and forth. But yeah, I'd say, Easy 85% of the time was, I'm going to hit you first and you're going down, or you're going to hit me first and I'm going to have to bring in another Pokemon to then hit you first to take you down. It wasn't very much like, I'll take a little chunk, then you'll take a chunk. It was just, yeah. there goes your health bar or there goes my health bar in one hit. That's weird. It That's was a bit weird. Not what I would have expected with a Pokemon game. Yeah, but like some of the changes they've done, like with as far as those RPG elements, like... The cool thing is the world, it feels a lot more lived in by the Pokemon. Like these Pokemon right, are, yeah. are cruising around, doing their own thing. You can see them sort of interacting and sitting down and, and you know, ju not just being static in high grass or something. It's it's these, these various regions, they're distinctive. The Pokemon in those regions are distinctive and you can choose to battle them or just, you know, navigate your way through if you're just trying to get from point A to point B. So the, the Pokemon system in that regard is really cool as far as catching them. You can try and catch them without engaging in battle. You can, you know, just throw a ball if they haven't they haven't caught you. Different types of Pokemon balls, as you'd expect. Yeah. Or you can battle them traditionally. But the cool thing is your trainer during battle, you can sort of move them around the battlefield a little bit. So if, oh. to avoid being too close, because some of these moves you could take like splash damage. So so your trainer, if you cop a bit of bit of um, impact through the game, you can get knocked out not even being in battle. Like if a Pokemon just sees you and hits you with a um, a high level ability, it can knock you down. Then you wake up at your base camp and you're going to, you know, rinse and repeat from there. So there's some little subtle changes in that regard, which is pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. The three starters, whatever, like you got Rowlet, Cyndaquil and Oshawott. Um, so you've got, yeah, your, your owl type, your little fire reptile looking fella with your Cyndaquil <laughs> and then Oshawott's like a, like a little otter. Yeah. They're all cute as hell and you can get them all eventually throughout the throughout the gameplay loop. But once I started getting all these other Pokemon, like I had Rowlet as my my main to start with the little owl. Mm -hmm. He just sat there on the bench gathering dust. The rest of the Pokemon I was grabbing were just my, my sort of all-stars. So I rarely utilized those OG3 that in a lot of the other games, at least the way I played, oh I'd always hang on to them, you know, I'd have my yeah, my Charizard or my um uh, my Torterra or whatever it is, and they'd be key members of the team. Not in this. They were just hanging out, just living their own life and doing their thing. But that's fine. It's fine. But it's pretty. 
You think it's pretty? Like, I obviously don't get too much of a leveled say on uh, anything to do with the game as someone <laughs> hasn't played it. Um, my impression only comes from, uh, you know, viewing it from other people. But it, the game to me looked very basic, very flat in design. Um, there was like a few encounters that like I would watch on either a YouTube video or someone playing it on Twitch. And... I was genuinely surprised on just how, like, bland the character design was. Like, it, I'm trying to, like, remember, like, what it was. But, I like, it, to me, it just didn't feel like it was textured. Yeah, I guess that's what I was, I guess that's I was, exactly what I was looking for. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, like, the environments, they're not very hot. Like, it's not high poly count. It's not high resolution. The, the environments themselves, they're distinctive, but it sort of focus on these areas and yeah the ground or the the mountainside or the hilltop or the tree there's not a huge amount of detail like the graphical fidelity in this game it's nowhere near some of the other games where we're playing these days on other consoles and platforms but like just looking at where pokemon legends is in comparison to all these other pokemon games we've played mm. it's night and day like we've been pining for an open world pokemon rpg game for decades and now we finally got it and it hits it hits the right notes for me like i really enjoyed it 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 sort of scratched that nostalgic itch it made me feel okay. like i was a kid again but it just gives me so much more option and flexibility in the world's the world's pretty comparative to previous pokemon games but yeah then comparing it to say a world in god of war or forza or something yeah it's it's the very 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 poor cousin in comparison in that regard just because of the the grunt like i'm using the og day one switch still and outside of the battery on my switch seemingly on its last legs because it doesn't last any more than like two hours not docked or charged at the moment mm. uh, i've seen a lot of people sharing stills and gameplay clips of the of the oled switch comparative to the to the original and the, the contrast in that alone like i'm like damn that would make me want to buy an oled just because the, the the graphics it looks so better, the textures are so much crisper, wow. the colors are more vibrant, the character models are a little bit more detailed. So it was kind of sad that I'm running it on this last gen, for all intents and purposes, Switch, uh, where I'm getting a good experience still, but not the not the best out of the box. Yeah, and that's kind of sucky to know that we're kind of gonna. Well, I guess this is gonna be the start of it, where we are going to actually notice a difference between games um from og switch to new new mm -hmm. and it's so noticeable yeah if it's and yeah if it's that noticeable then we're definitely going to witness it again and again again with more titles coming out um you know are we going to see it with the new um zelda game whatever the fuck that's common um is, are we going to have like a massive contrast there like understand that with the console like you have to eventually update things and you know, one of the major things is just to make things look better. But if other people are going to start getting a better experience. Yeah, it made me think for a split second, I need to upgrade my Switch. But then I also I'm like, I'm probably not going to play my Switch again until the next big game comes out. So mm. I don't know. I don't know. If I feel like wasting a bit of money and getting a, a, a prettier picture, if maybe I do try and go clean out that Pokedex, maybe I'll upgrade. But um. Yeah, it's, I've really enjoyed it. Like 84 on Metacritic, so clearly the, the critics and the games media and games press enjoy the game. A lot of positive spin. In the majority of reviews out there, there is some that mm. say it is a little bit bit hollow at times. And yeah, it, it can feel that in certain instances of the game. But running around as a member of the Survey Corps and scouting Pokemon for the first time and, and seeing these characters you meet along the way, their excitement or their trepidation because either, you know, Pokemon is the ne is the new big thing or they're terrified because they've, uh, you know, destroyed their township or whatever. It's kind of cool to sort of see these origins as to where the game is today, but playing it, you know, years and years and years back. So it's kind of cool to, to be on the ground floor of Pokemon discovery in this little world and... Yeah, it was just good fun. Just easy to play. You don't have to give it your complete attention, but you can still get a full experience. Okay. The battling is simple. So whether you're young, old, experienced in this world or new to Pokemon, you'll pick it up pretty pretty easily. 
the, the soundtrack in those few moments where I did turn the volume up just to sort of see what was going on to see if mm. maybe we'd actually get some voice lines. We don't, obviously. No voice lines. The Pokemon, you're still getting those like MIDI Pokemon sounds when they when they make noise and interact, which mm. is annoyance for another day. But overall, I enjoyed it. I had fun. If we've got nothing to do over the coming months, I might just jump in and spend a few hours here or there cleaning up that Pokedex, hunting legendaries, doing the evolutions to get certain Pokemon you can only get with certain items or certain caveats you need to need to meet. But yeah, it's fine. Mm. I, I, I'd put this as an 8-bit approved game. I uh, okay. really enjoyed my time. And yeah, like that 84 out of 100, I'd probably give it around an 80 if, if we're going on the Metacritic metric. I think it's I think it's fun. I enjoyed it. 25 hours, regret none of that. Check it out if you're a Pokemon fan. Yeah, it's it's a very curious case because, like, I know um, a good majority of people did enjoy it, but then I have also witnessed a lot of people who have received a copy or who bought a copy and said, you know what, I played an hour of it and just put it down and never picked it up. So um, I will I'd say on that curious. front, the 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 opening, like the what do you call it, like the training. What, what do you it's call tutorial it? stage? The tutorial, that's the word. I'm completely blanking. I'm a mess today. Yeah, the tutorial is very long-winded. It's tough oh. sledding to get through that first hour-ish. Hour? But, yeah, yeah. Of tutorial? Yeah, but because there is a lot of, like, cutscenes in there, so it does stretch. It's not that you're just doing, you know, no. press A to do this, <laughs> but it is a very long, <laughs> long-winded tutorial. So once you're out of, out of that tutorial and out into the wild, the game really opens up, but it was... At times where I was playing this and watching stuff for the t- on the TV at the same time, I'm like, fuck, this needs to hurry up and finish. I just want to play the game. So I get why you're saying people are like, yeah, it's not for me. Okay. That does answer that question then. Because, like, usually tutorials, yeah, some can feel a little bit long, but, you know, a little bit tedious to do. But, like, if, if a tutorial feels like it goes over an hour, then oof, I understand it then. Yeah. It was a long time, Miss Hart. It was a long time. But once I was free of that dreaded tutorial, the game was great. Mm. Mm. Outside of that, outside of the usual shows we've been sort of gushing over the last few weeks, something else that I've been through uh, went, went, went a bit weeby again this week. So uh, I, I finally went back and, and been working my way through an anime called Date Alive. And it's it's a weird ass concept, Miss Hart. So, so stay really? with me. Really? The anime has a weird concept? <laughs> So, so we're in we're in this uh, this continent or alternate world called Eurasia, and what happens is there's these strange phenomenon called spatial quakes, and what that means is like there's spirits from another another universe that come through, and it just happens always the spirit is like this attractive anime girl, and they come to come to this world, and these spatial quakes, it's it's like a natural disaster. So millions of people are dying from these spatial quakes. So what happens is there's this group of people that either fight them and kill them or they've found out there's this one particular character who's sort of the lead and he's got this ability, Shido is his name, where if he can get these spirits to fall in love with him, he can kiss them and then take all their all the bad power away from them and then they can just live a normal life and not create these spatial quakes. So I'm watching this weird-ass anime, three seasons... It's cheesy, horrible goodness, but like it's it's been my background anime this week as I've been playing Pokemon. It's it's a thing. It's it's a beautiful mess of a thing. Like, <laughs> I feel like now it's getting to this stage where you are just going to ha- like have to level up like each time my f- the shock on my face or the like the reaction on my face on you telling me the storylines of these anime like like the like don't i'm not judging anime i used to be a massive like anime fan way back when but like the fact that you're like it's a it's a different place where the there's earthquakes i'm like yep cool that makes sense and then you know the spirits come from another universe i'm like yeah i'm still on board they so apparently are attractive women attractive anime girls i'm like oh here we go uh now tons of people die tons of people die i'm like well all right and then the only way to save them is one guy and he has to make them fall in love i'm like here we go this is it's dumb but it's been good background television like when I've been Pokemoning or, you know, having something back on the background while I've been working or whatever, this is 
this has been good in that regard. Like the story is absolutely rubbish. There is some heart to it where like there is like some cutesy romance and, and some of the spirits in air quotes that, that Shido saves over the, the course of these three seasons. You know, they become friends or, or some of them, you know, want to you know, be in a relationship with this fellow. And so there's all those sort of awkward uh, dating scenarios that play out because obviously they're not from this world. So they're trying to then work out how, how this world works and what a date is and introducing them to, to foods and experiences and stuff. So there is some heart to the show, to the anime. But a bunch of people die from the earthquake. Yeah, like, so so because, yeah, they, they <laughs> manifest into the real world, these quakes occur. So they've got a very specific time where they, they find this spirit, they've got to make them fall in love within a time period. Otherwise, the, the spatial quake occurs and, yeah, millions could die. So it's like there's some But let's get to there. that dating montage. Yeah. And, and oh that's, my that's, goodness. It's this weird juxtaposition in that regard. Yeah, I know. Like, it, it sounds shit. Is it shit? Maybe a little bit. But it's been, <laughs> it's been a good a good sort of screen-based distraction as I do other things. And, um, yeah, like the, the the first spirit that he that he saves, her name, he names her Toka. And she's like, she, she's, she's a very cute character and, yeah, new to this world. And, like, her big thing is, you know, she loves food. So seeing her get excited about going on dates or trying all these new things. So there's a bit of heart to the show, but it is dumb shit. But there's some heart there, there's some comedy there, some romance. All the things I like blended into one. With some dumb shit sprinkled on top. Like, I know there's dumb, dumber, dumber animes out there. Like, I know they exist, but there's just some of these concepts. Like, and not to mention you trying to sell me on something. Like, I know you're yeah. not purposely trying to make me watch it, but like, you, like, it's almost like you kind of got a spotlight on you right now. And it's like, tell us why this is good. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tough sell. Like, especially just looking at the premise, like, it just sounds dumb. Like, as you said, like a lot of anime have the most crazy, crazy themes and stories. And mm. you sit there and wonder like when this, like the original writers of these things, where they come up with these ideas and think this is a great idea, but then somehow they sell either a million copies of the manga or the light novel or whatever it started in to begin with. And then it gets turned into anime and movies and all this stuff. You sit there and go, this shouldn't work. Yet here we are, three seasons, couple of movies. It's absolutely bananas, but um, it's just just easy easy watching. It's just anime. It's just anime. But if you like your rom-coms with a bit of science fiction and some harem elements, check out uh, Data Live. And death. And death. Lots of death. <laughs> well, lots of death to start with, and then obviously you're preventing all of these casualties yeah. moving on from gotcha. there. <laughs> but it starts with a lot of death, yeah, because these are like most spatial quakes. Do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's the heart. And the cuteness, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a thing. But uh, yeah, that's that's all I've been doing. What a time to be alive, Miss Hart. What a time to be alive. The content that is available at our fingertips these days it knows no bounds. All right, quick bit of housekeeping. Obviously, if you want to support us, do so over at ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-bit. Full disclosure, listeners, we are going to be parking the fan house idea that I've spruced for a week. That is, uh, you know, done and dusted for now. There's just some some dramas on the app store that's just creating too many issues and too many headaches. So if you wanted to look after us with a couple of dollars in our kitty, ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-bit. We're retooling that page at the moment as well just to try and add a little bit more value and sort of streamline for the things you guys want and or potentially need. So uh, yeah, jump on, follow us over there. Uh, if you wanted to also get some tasty new merchandise, shop 8bit.net for the best in gaming slash geek slash pop culture related hotness over there. Plenty of designs, plenty of styles, shopapit.net. And be sure to obviously rate, resubscribe this podcast and all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Spotify does have a five-star mm-hmm. rating system now. So be sure to uh, give us those tasty five stars if you can. It's going to take you no time, cost you no money, mean an awful lot to us and all the other podcasts you're doing it to because, uh, yeah. It's going to keep us track and keep us relevant, help keep those emotional lights on in our hearts. But Miss Hart, what do you say? Do you think we jump into some news? Let's do it. This week's news headlines. All right, a couple of quick hitters to start things off. Uh, Supermassive Games, obviously developer of Until Dawn and the ongoing Dark Pictures Anthology series, has trademarked logos and titles for five future Dark Pictures entries. Upcoming titles include The Craven Man, O-Death, Directive 8020, 
Intercession and Winterfold. Supermassive has said in the past that it plans for at least eight entries in the horror anthology. Three have been released so far, with the fourth, The Devil in Me, likely due this autumn. Busy, busy. Busy, busy. So we're going to get at least nine uh, entries in, in the Dark Pictures anthology series. Awesome. I'm excited, especially after House of Ashes being the strongest entry into Dark Pictures so far, at least for me. I really enjoyed it. You enjoyed it, Miss Hart? I enjoyed it, but to be fair, I didn't play the others. Little Hope and Man of Medan. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, this is positive. Like, um, the fact that they've... Well, actually, the fact that they've already got, like, a, a pathway of these future releases and stuff. Like, I'm curious if they intend to uh, improve maybe their graphic quality in that time. Um, we, I think we did mention when we kind of, like, reviewed it on the pod- previous podcast ages ago how we felt that maybe the animatics and all that sort of stuff might be kind of recycled, which is common in gaming um, and nothing to be frowned at. But like when you have a directive of like, hey, we're going to be making so many games in the future, are you in that time going to be elevating it in any kind of way? Which is just my curiosity. I don't think it will tarnish the overall experience that um, Supermassive is known for, for those like quick time events and reactive kind of, story to pick your adventure kind of mm-hmm. um, timelines but yeah just just very curious especially when you have so many planned yeah i'm with you like i think i think from what i can remember with with the announcement initially with dark pictures is they plan to have these games uh, running up until potentially 2025 i think i saw somewhere out in the wilderness and when we're looking at five more on the way plus one more here that timeline sort of adds up so you, you think Tiny, yeah with uh with the bumps in technical power and mm. computing and things like that that we will see some some enhancements and uh bumps in in graphical quality or uh yeah the animation like yeah for the most part the the mocap work they do is great but there is just a few things where you know the mouths don't always work the right way when they're talking or the They've teeth got, look like, a, a little dead bit too stare sometimes yeah. like no emotion but yeah, yeah. So hopefully in time and because they've, I guess, planned this out to a high degree, you'd think where they're like, okay, this game's going to be dropping here. Then we've got another year to do this, so on and so forth. Maybe with that, we will see a little bit more emoting in the faces and a little less wooden uh, responding to some of those big dramatic situations that play out in these games but yeah they're they're the they're the kings and queens of the horror choose your own adventure that's for sure and the devil in me looks like it could be you know the jewel of the crown so far like it's very saw-esque as far as the trailer we're leaning into the minds of serial killers and things so this next one departing from the spiritualness of of the other ones and sort of that that sort of ilk that they've done with the the previous entries and just going more straight horror thriller with some serial killer vibe, I think that could be really heckin' cool. That could be really, really cool and definitely something I would be interested in. So I've got my fingers crossed for that one. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. And on on the horror discussion, we'll continue here. Uh, Tango Games, or Tango Gameworks, sorry, they've dropped a 20-minute gameplay showcase this past week. This actually was very surprising to me because it was leaked a couple of days before it was happening and then it was announced the the day prior and yeah we got a 20 minute showcase and on the back of this also they've confirmed that this game comes out next month so march 25th we're going to be able to be playing ghostwire tokyo which is a game that uh has been on my radar for a few years obviously it was delayed and delayed and delayed but uh yeah i'm i'm keen as a bean to see how this game plays it looked very very eerie like we got a, a, a 10 minute sort of gameplay slice amongst you know director commentary and, and various dev heads talking about how the game works but um looks very eerie uh, characters looking very distorted some very evil within vibes with some of the, mm. the enemy models and um yeah i'm i'm excited obviously this is a piece ps5 and pc exclusive even though tango now fall under the microsoft banner this was a prior agreement (laughs) with playstation so it's falling directly under there but um yeah i'm very very excited to play this we don't have to wait long at all 
No, that was the other surprising thing. Like, I think when these games kind of start getting pushed back, like we get that initial announcement where we kind of get a bit excited, a bit intrigued of these titles. But then with all this pushback, I think, like we've mentioned in the past, like that excitement hype level kind of dies down and you you kind of stop keeping track of these awesome games that you once were looking forward to. So I was kind of shocked to see that it was coming out very soon. Overall impressions of the game, there's like there's things that I like and then there's things that I'm just not sold on yet. There's some great character design or for the for the enemies, like the how they look and how kind of scary they appear, and then there's other things in it where I'm like, this isn't scary at all. Like, what is this? So I'm I'm kind of in the middle with this one. Um I kind of hope like I hope it does well. It has taken some time and then obviously They've obviously had some people leave the studio within that time. But yeah, like, I don't know. I'm always, I'm always for new concepts. And for this relatively, it looks newish. Um, the whole, the whole idea of horror, a horror game. But- yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Like the, the tone, they need to nail the tone of this game. Yeah, like, I think like that as might you be said, it. some of the, some of these, these monsters or these supernatural creatures, some of them look like nightmare fuel. And then other ones, it's, it's very like, cutesy whimsical yeah funny parody sort of stuff fantasy yeah and from what i can gather from from sort of looking around and reading some articles about this sort of uh, breaking it down a little bit more apparently a lot of these these beasties or these supernatural creatures they're like retakes or or spins on uh creatures from from japanese folklore so apparently there's yeah and and like just some of the specific ones that they're showcasing there so if that's the case, then that's kind of cool that they're sort of um, pulling from history or mm. myths and whatnot, whatever you want to describe it as. And it looks interesting, but yeah, that the tone looks a little bonkers. I'm I'm always down for bonkers as far as you're this spirit prese- uh, possessed protagonist trying to uh, work out why this f- pseudo Japan. All the all the population has disappeared, you know, and yeah. you've got to go through and obviously fight all these supernatural creatures and and get to the the heart of the the problem and yeah, cut out the root of the evil and all that kind of stuff as it would be as far as uh, horrific based tropes go. But um, I'm interested, and we don't have to wait yeah. too long to see if it's actually going to be any good. Yeah, it should be interesting to see how well this one's received. There's a lot of times in this trailer, and I don't know why this is it seems to be my constant pet peeve now for some reason, where I question like the like the the graph the graphics of it is that, that what it is like like sometimes it feels dated like there's like this there was moments in the trailer where I felt like I was watching old an old game mm-hmm. and then there was other times where I'm like oh that's really impressive like I, I I guess I wasn't sure when I was seeing true gameplay and maybe things that were being elevated a little bit more beyond what they were actually going to be like what a gamer was going to experience so i think i'm not seeing that consistently consistency there too so it always makes me skeptical yeah yeah it was was um yeah it did feel a little bit uh last gen with some of the the scenes they cut into that 10 minute gameplay slice and then other parts especially where they were doing like the the first person combat and you you know weaving spells and you're watching the hands do all these crazy movements and, and pop abilities then just it was, you know, color splashes and crazy animations. Like that looked yeah. very current and PlayStation 5 or high spec PC. And then there's other parts where I'm like, is that guy just, did he just roll out of a PS3 cutscene just now? Like, yeah. uh, but we'll see. We'll see what uh, Tango have put together and um, we'll be able to report back in what, seven weeks' time. God. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. And um, another another big old uh, state of play slice from Sony. It, it's been Sony week this week. They've, yes. they've been, uh, they haven't been resting on their laurels, that's for damn sure. So outside of the, the Tango Games Works Ghostwire Tokyo showcase, they've also done a state of play on Gran Turismo 7, which is obviously coming out next month as well. March is a bumper month for games as is february as we've already alluded to mm. but uh yeah this was their first official state of play all about gt7 and um yeah if you're even mildly excited about uh polyphony digital's upcoming sim racer this showcase is indeed a must watch not only did it showcase some of the bleeding edge graphics the gran turismo series is known for but it also reveals that gt7 is much more than just a racing game mm. so they showcase the world map music modes 
car museums, some of the cars specifically, and then just as is tradition with these these next gen racing sims, they're stunning. They're just about the best looking games oh, you'll it was see gorgeous. Yeah. on any platform. Like racing games, they just know how to make pretty, pretty graphical hotness and the car models, the way the light bounces off the, the curves of a car, you know, the certain weather <laughs> effects, every, everything like that. Like car games are sexy. I mean, yeah, well, as only <laughs> as only a very recent enjoyer of car games, seeing this event and then seeing that it was strictly Gran Turismo focused, I'm like, it, it did unfortunately lose my attention. Um, I didn't was didn't get your in, motor running. Didn't get my motor running. No, Damn. Um, but but just seeing like seeing the graphical, um, the, the graphics was like just incredible. Like the details in the cars and everything. But then seeing when they went into like almost like the weather patterns, like the like they were showing that you know if you were racing and then it had rained and then that the road was wet, it would show you that throughout the race that it would dry to a certain like to a certain way and like just how technical I could I like I can only imagine the the amount of detail and technical bullshit in the background that was required to make that feel so authentic and then they talked about that the the sky and the stars and everything and accuracy of the sun and all that kind of stuff and I'm like wow like I didn't I didn't know that these kind of details were so important to a uh, a racing game and mm. I understand like I totally understand that this game isn't made for me it isn't it's made for the racing diehards and they deserve to have all the things that they they want and need to make a game great as well but I was truly just surprised at what like the team thought was important and what was worth focusing on and what was worth um, adding to this game to just like bring it to the next level um but in order to sell it to someone like me, didn't work. I don't think they're going to cry over that. But um, I'm impressed. But just, yeah, I just it wasn't for me. Yeah, like, like it'll, it'll move units. Like, it's been a stalwart of the Sony catalog for, for decades now, going back way to GT on the, on the PlayStation and things like that. But, um, yeah, it, it looks stunning. And as you, as you said, you nailed it as far as the, the racing purists, those ones that do care about those slight angles and getting the, the maximum amount of G-force as they turn a corner to speed, you know, all, all those racing those racing things that are important, this title will, uh, I think, certainly satisfy and uh, make them all very happy. And the fact that it's done with such a stunning aesthetic, the soundtrack, the sheer amount of cars available to race on these tracks with and so you can good. get a whole different flavor depending on uh, your, your preference and your racing style no doubt that's going to follow with as as is always with these games you'll have certain licenses you have to get that, that can then unlock certain cars that you can race in certain cups and tournaments and what have you so you'll get a very unique experience depending on the car you're driving in but it looks stunning and it looks like a worthy competitor to the forza series that, that's obviously happened over on team green excuse me but it's nice to see Gran Turismo still, still getting people excited and uh, yeah. you know, starting people's engines. Yeah, well, like I hope they get the same amount of kind of success. Um, obviously, Forza Horizon Five is kind of a different playing field, so you know they might not receive the same kind of um, hype. I don't know, actually. I didn't guess that I was going to be playing Forza um, and enjoying it. So what would I know? But um, yeah, like based on all the detail that Gran Turismo Seven has in it, like I, I hope they pick up some new new fans because it looks good and they've obviously put the work in. I think so. Like this game was the original racing benchmark, really. What did it was called the Ultimate Driving Simulator? I think was the byline was it? on the box back in the day when it when it came out on on the you know the prior gen Playstations and. I remember playing it and adoring it, but then I also uh, played Colin McRae Rally at the same time and preferred that because it actually had vehicle damage and, and crazy speed things. For speed. Ooh, yeah. Bit of, bit of hot pursuit racing around yes. in the, the Fords yeah. and the Holden cop cars. Yeah. But it looks good. And yeah, it's it's out next month as well. So uh, a couple of uh, nice console exclusives for Sony, but something else that uh, could potentially become an exclusive for Sony. And uh, just after we... 
came down from the huge news of Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard King, another big acquisition makes January a month to remember. So just a few short weeks after Xbox's industry-shaking announcement, Sony has announced its decision to purchase Destiny developer Bungie for 3.6 billion US dollars, with 1.2 billion of that to be used and spread across several years for employee retention, which I think is fantastic, and we can jump into that a bit later if you like. But um, I'll grab some quotes and sort of spliced some some wording together from multiple reports because there is many people looking at this through a long lens and there's wording everywhere if you wanted to get into the nitty-gritty and, and read almost manifestos as far as thought processes on this. But uh, here's some wording that I've grabbed. And the first part is a quote and it reads, This is an important step in our strategy to expand the reach of PlayStation to a much wider audience. We understand how vital Bungie's community is to the studio and look forward to supporting them as they remain independent and continue to grow. Like Bungie, our community is core to PlayStation's DNA and our shared passion for the gamer and building the best place to play will now evolve even further. We've had a strong partnership with Bungie since the inception of the Destiny franchise and I couldn't be more thrilled to officially welcome the studio to the PlayStation family. That was Sony boss Jim Ryan there. And in this past week's earnings call Q&A, Sony executive Hiroki Totoki was asked what benefits Bungie receive from Sony. The answer, multi-dimensional support. Bungie want to nurture the IP they have in a multi-dimensional matter, and that's their hope. For that, we believe we can help that we have Sony Pictures and Sony Music, and Bungie can leverage our platform so that their IP can flourish and grow big, end quote. And then furthermore, he also says, it's not just for the gaming area, but the multi-using of IP and merchandising of said IP, like a game title may be put into movies, said Totoki. But beyond multimedia ambitions, PlayStation clearly provides Bungie with stability and financial backing to help live up to all its ambitions. As Bungie has noted, in quotes, the, the most immediate change you'll see is an acceleration in hiring talent across the entire studio to support our ambitious vision, end quote. So obviously that weaves into that $1.2 billion aside for hiring and retention. But also the growth began last year for Bungie when Bungie began hiring for a new senior executive to drive Destiny into categories like TV, films, books, and comics. So Sony will be obviously helping on the TV and film side. Books and comics, they're already starting to embed and find their way through. Mm-hmm. But Miss Hart, you are the, the Destiny and Bungie purist amongst the people I know. Like Bungie for me goes way back to, to Halo being the, the pioneer of the, the FPS for, for the Xbox way back when. But Destiny this decade-long juggernaut now that has got no signs of slowing down is is the main catalyst for this purchase. 3.6 billion US, which is a huge amount of cashish for mm. a studio that only really has one active IP right now. They've got one in development that they're planning to release in the coming years. But mm-hmm. what do you think about this? As a Destiny fan and as a Bungie fan, is, is this a good move for them ultimately? It's been a emotional roller coaster on um how to feel about this there's like a lot of things that i have been like kind of like working through my head when like i first when i first saw this announcement i i panicked i i honestly panicked because like they did the announcement they said that everything was happening and they started quickly throwing out all the you know what the answers to all the probably the questions that they were going to get and um the main thing that they were trying to point across is saying like no this will still be across platforms which is what i guess everyone thought they're like oh shit destiny is going to be playstation exclusive from now on um but i definitely don't think sony would have signed up uh, sony um bungie would have signed up for that i think they know how important it is to keep their game on all platforms So that kind of obviously kind of settled me down. There is some weird wording out there that makes me a little bit skeptical. Like one of Mm -hmm. the major ones was um, when they decided to word that Destiny 2 will still be multi-platform. And then later in other stuff, they just referred to it as Destiny or Bungie title. But that one in particular was specified as Destiny 2. So I'm a bit nervous about that, but whatever. Um the other thing is is um, this discussion about going into movies 
and TV series. And like, uh, there's a lot of great story in Destiny. There's there's story there if you want to find it. There's, you know, they don't force feed it to you. And there's some great stories. There's some fun stories. There's some wonderful characters. Um, but then the idea of seeing it possibly ad- like adapted into movie. I think everyone was talking about movies, um, mm. a Destiny movie. Uh, it has been concerned. It, it really needs to be TV, doesn't it? Like, I, I don't think know. that world's too big to try and tell it succinctly in 90 to 120 minutes. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I think it's more of the fact that how are you going to, are they going to do live action or are they going to animate it? Because, like, everyone's like kind of um, writing to Lance, who does the voice of Savala, like saying, like, oh, look, you know, you have to get Savala, you have to get Savala. And I agree, he he is the voice. He is the the voice of destiny, really. But, like, he doesn't look like Savala. And then I'm like, I want him to be Savala. (laughs) This is, like, such a nerdy kind of, like, thing for anyone that's not even into destiny. So it's like you want to hear your favorite character, but you also want to see them at the same time. And I don't know. Like, the other thing that they could do because because they they can is they can actually explore all the lore that hasn't been established in the games. Maybe they'll go down that route so that way they can't disappoint fans too much. Maybe that's probably what they'll do. I don't know. This is such a precious franchise to me and I've had a lot of franchises that I adore and love um, absolutely get destroyed. Hello, DC fan. Um, So, you know, like this is a very delicate stepping stone for me. So I I only ever want good and I only ever want um, good things to happen. Um, speaking of good things to happen, shout out to Bungie for being bought for that massive amount of what's the mm-hmm. oh, you know, like in the billions when um when they were purchased by Activision, I believe they were only purchased by um for like forty to fifty million. So to see what the growth that they've they've generated themselves off their own back, doing it independently for the most part since exactly. They- broke away from that horrific Activision relationship. Like you pointed out, um, you know, to be worth that much, we're only having, you know, one thing, like being known for one thing is, um, is, is a credit to the team, like everyone that's worked on Destiny and everything that they've kind of built up and, you know, added value, obviously. So um, I like that there's, there's obviously Bungie were able and strong enough to come up to Sony. And when Sony said how much, they said, this much but this also matters and it looks like that they have met like sony has met with bungie and they've come to an agreement so bungie still gets to do what they want to do because i definitely think when they were over with activision that they um things went to shit a bit. yeah they, they certainly got put in a box at activision and uh, you can see in the respective uh press releases that bungie and, and sony have dropped it's very much we're Bungie, we're still independent, we can do what we like, we can make the things we want, but now we've got Sony helping. It's not Sony forcing us to do this or lock into a certain game or a certain market strategy. It feels like they've got full autonomy, at least the yes. way it reads. And obviously, That's the way it reads, yeah. Yeah, and you want those press releases to read as positive as possible. You know, in We'll see what happens over the coming half a decade to see what's fact exactly. and fiction. Exactly, exactly. But the fact that they're they're saying that they've got 1.2 billion of this two of 3.6 aside for hiring and retaining staff, like they've broken that down to I think there's 900 staff or so, give or take at Bungie currently, and they broke it down to that would equate to nearly a million dollars per staff. I mean, obviously, that's going to change based off studio heads and and hierarchy and things like that. But to have a have such a forward focus and, and think about keeping all the good people employed because you see a lot of the times these acquisitions happen and then the good people jump ship or they go somewhere else because they don't want to be tied to whatever their new overlord could be. So it's kind of cool that they're saying, no, we're here to stay. We're still Bungie. We can still control our own destiny, but we've got Uh. Sony in the background. Yeah, pun potentially intended. That's going to help us out and and elevate this franchise Mm. and... Maybe get us a, a show on Amazon or Netflix, whatever. You know, ultimately we're going to see Destiny on the small and the big screen, whether it be via film or TV. I like the idea of an animated option too. That could work, I think. Yeah, it's a, it could. It's a, it's a possi- It's definitely a possibility. Um, but yeah, like it, it's 
it's it's it's uh, i like the idea of also that now that they have this like backing from sony that they they might be able to achieve more they might be able to do more they might be able to work a bit comfortably you know because they've got the funding and they've got the backing and they've got that kind of like strong support behind them now so yeah and to feel good to the people in bungie knowing their futures are sorted yeah. You know, they, yeah. they don't have to stress their, their futures are sorted. They can shape this as yet unannounced game that they're working on. And no doubt, yeah, as you said with that wording, uh, Destiny 2 will remain cross-platform, but Destiny 3, when it eventually mm. comes out, will that be a Sony exclusive or Sony and PC only exclusive? Yeah. Maybe. You can't fault Sony for doing that. Microsoft is doing that with a lot of IP they're picking up now because ultimately they want to... They want to make their their hub the ecosystem that people think of for games and certain IP. So I'm not going to be mad if in a few years time they say Destiny Three is PC and PlayStation. I'll I'll migrate as long to as they whichever. Say it's PC. <laughs> if they start, if they take my Destiny away from my PC, I'm going to be very mad. I what they uh, what they probably will make exclusive is whatever this IP was that um Budgie was already working on. Yeah. This um this other um shooter I think it was it was like a first person shooter or something that was already in the works or being established. I'm sure that was definitely placed on the table for exclusivity. Exactly. I think I think whatever that title is when it gets officially announced and and showcased, yeah, that'll be a PlayStation only thing. Maybe some mm-hmm. PC too, but. The other part of this from the Sony side and what they can they can get from the Bungie angle is obviously helping them imp- implement uh, live games, games as a service, because obviously Bungie and Destiny and Destiny 2 is is one of the, the largest live games currently available. They've got a healthy player base. They know how to bring out content in, in a good regular cycle. They know how to support that community. Obviously, in the early stages, yeah, there was teething problems, but they've really, really ironed all that out now. And they're just sort of firing on all cylinders because there's 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 rumors around that, that Sony by 2025 want to release 10 live games or games as a service to the marketplace. So having someone like Bungie that know how to do it and do it really freaking well, it mm. makes sense to have them say, okay, what, what advice can you give us here? What would you recommend we do? What do we need to implement from a network perspective, from a hardware perspective, so on and so forth. So yeah. there's some synergies on both sides here. Yeah. Oh, well, like it's 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 scary, it's exciting, it's nerve-wracking and only time will tell what it actually truly means. Exactly, exactly. And like I had a bit of a chuckle seeing a lot of the uh, the, the gaming social media discourse where they felt like this was an immediate reaction to Microsoft buying Activision. It was like they like like they felt like Sony just called up Bungie the day that that news broke and said, "What's it going to cost? Let's do it." Like these <laughs> these purchases have been in the works for months, yeah, and months and months. Like they've been at the boardroom level talking talking details and trying to hash out these these agreements. It's just the timing of it just lined up that it followed on yeah. a week or so after the the big Microsoft acquisition and, and following on from that, like people in Sony have said where we're in talks with, with multiple developers out there to potentially acquire them and bring them under the, the Sony banner. So mm. I'm going to ask you this question, Miss Hart, what studio do you believe is going to be the next to be acquired by Sony? <laughs> Who's left? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen some people throw theories around. There's a lot of um, prominent Nintendo IP that people seem to think that Sony will acquire, but I Nintendo's really strong at keeping all their cards close to their chest, so I don't think it will even be a glimmer in the eye of Sony to even approach these studios. I think the I think I think the next biggest play that Sony could do is they they might not be able to buy the studio, but they might try to buy the rights to like Metal Gear. Yeah, yeah, it it, it just makes sense, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Like it, it like it's doing nothing. It's sitting around doing nothing, as far as we're aware. Um, so you know, if you if you're gonna start swinging. <laughs> big old Dicks. money dick around yeah um sorry for the visual, we guys. <laughs> i was trying to stay away from it but it came out no matter what big old um, money dick big old money dick um yeah buy buy the ip that you know that a good chunk of your player base loves wants 
And, you know, like if, if you own it, if it's yours, then you can let anyone do what they will with it as well. So I don't know, like that, that seems like a smart, big purchase that they, they, they could do that could definitely put them another foot ahead. Yeah, I, I like that. Like Konami, they, they've got some great IP. Like, yeah, if, if they could buy just that gaming arm or, or just a handful of IP from Konami, mm-hmm. like if they could grab Castlevania, they could grab Silent Hill and they could grab Metal Gear from Konami because Konami, they make all their money in the gambling space with their pachinko machines and their poker machines and things like that. Gaming isn't a massive priority to them as evidenced by the fact that these these franchises are doing shit all at the moment. Yeah, so yeah. it would be a big old uh, money dick swing mm-hmm. uh, if we wanted to keep with that that description uh, from Sony's behalf. And because, yeah, like even though the Metal Gear games and things like that are on Xbox these days and PC, I still, when I think of Metal Gear, I still think of playing the original Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation. Obviously, we got the OOG games back on the NES way back when, but mm. when we're talking that first tactical espionage action game uh, from, from the back end of the 90s, uh, I, I think of my original PlayStation. So yeah. it would make sense to to keep them back under that, um, or get them back under that umbrella and fans would be very happy. So. Yeah. I could see that move happening. I could see them then also buying Kojima Productions because obviously Hideo and Sony have had a long, long standing relationship. Do you think they would I hate tolerate like his uh, philanthropy? Yes, that's pretty much where I was going with it. Is when you, you know, he's a, you know, does great things and he's, you know, quite the mastermind in creating games and such but yeah like he lost he lost his position in konami because of he overspends he takes too long and everything like that like that is that is a serious investment yeah i think um on the hideo piece i could see them wanting wanting to sort of etch out a deal on the back of that that line we mentioned on the Bungie Sony thing, that multi-dimensional support. Like we've heard Hideo wants to make movies and things like that for a while. So well, he's already why made not, his studio, didn't he? Yeah, why not buy Kojima Productions and then say, okay, we can make more Death Strandings or more art house games that you want to make, and then you can make your art house unique cinema experiences too. Oh my god! Imagine if they bought it or they did something, and we could actually get PT. Yeah, they buy. Those Kojima, I mean, they buy Kojima Productions, they buy those Konami IP, and we get it. Like obviously, we've got uh, we've got the Silent Hill game coming out by Bloober Team in the near future, but there's no guarantee it's going to hit the same way as that playable teaser back in the day. But I could see that happening. I could see them making a play for like Square Enix as a bit of a big move and having like oh, the Final yeah, Fantasy yeah. titles and things like that under the Sony banner. Capcom could be another one. Imagine if they owned Capcom and had like That's Street rough. Fighter, Devil May Cry, Resident Evil, Dino Crisis if it ever comes out again. So there's <laughs> there's some options. There's some options. It's the Street Fighter one. That's 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 a big one. That's a big well, one. Street Fighter Four when it first came out was a PlayStation exclusive. It didn't come out on Xbox. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. It's just so like there's some options there. Yeah, especially with these competitive scene um, titles, it's always like a. If the studio buys it, and then yeah, I don't know. Yeah, plain and they're they're like they're a good sized fish. And then obviously you've got your EA, your Ubisoft, your Rockstars, things like that as well. But we'll see. We'll see. What do you think as far as what's the over or under as far as new studio acquisitions? You think Sony are gonna acquire in 2022? Do you think they're gonna? I'm gonna say um, over two more. They're gonna they're gonna acquire at least two more studios in twenty twenty two. I you know what I think that's that's fair. Like not inclusive of Bungie, we're gonna say two more on top. Yep. So three for the year. Three for the at year. a minimum. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that makes sense. Like they could they could like sneak around and get some small studios and such if that's included. Mm. Crazy times. It's it's weird, and then it's also like. Now it's we're at this stage where we can't even keep tabs, like even the smaller studios and teams where you're like, oh, are they free? No, they fall under this one, which now falls under this one, which actually is connected to Microsoft. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, 
oh, excuse me, crazy, <laughs> crazy news. Uh, I, I think it's a smart fit. Like they're they're going to go together hand in glove, Bungie and Sony. As a as an Xbox fanboy that's really enjoying playing Destiny Two on my Xbox, that's great. But in the future, if it goes somewhere else, it's going to be shitty. But I'll make do. It's not my money. Like at the end of the day, I got no control in this. So I'm not going to be like, you know what? fuck you destiny or fuck you bungie you're dead to me now like if i enjoy the game i'm gonna keep playing it wherever it is i'll i'll play it on whatever platform i'm told to yeah just don't take it off pc yeah i don't think it's i think especially seeing like you know god of war jumping on there and having Mm. a bit of a resurgence and horizon and i think it's going to be more of yeah sony sony and pc walking together hand in hand albeit maybe delayed releases but we'll see more of that just less xbox stuff because uh yeah team blue versus team green it's a thing Mm. all right let's jump into this new releases and events all right as far as things to keep your eyes and ears across this coming week between episode 270 and episode 271 from a from a tv or streamer perspective we've got uh the season finale book of boba fett so we've got uh episode seven making its way to Disney Plus this coming Wednesday. Uh, We've also got episode seven of Peacemaker season one, uh, making its way to binge here in AU or HBO Max over there. I don't know what you watch it on. Yep. Yep. HBO Max. Uh, I've also got the third episode of Raised by Wolves. So the second season of Raised by Wolves just dropped yesterday. First two episodes dropped in one hit uh, and more of that sort of sci-fi Ridley Scott spacey goodness uh really enjoyed it as far as they've picked up directly where they've left off from from season one really cool world building cool characters cool concepts uh i'm, I'm digging it i binged both those episodes last night and third episode drops this coming week as far as movies hitting the cinema uh we've got the the sequel to the aussie b-grade zombie hit which i really enjoyed wormwood so wormwood apocalypse comes out so picture mad max meets zombie apocalypse and you get wormwood apocalypse okay. it comes to the cinema we've also got death on the nile Ooh, the, the whodunit film yeah parole and that's wow. uh, that fantastic mustache glorious and, uh, cast it's a fantastic cast isn't it so mm. uh yeah, that's, that's got my attention. Anything with Gal Gadot in it, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll give it a look. And uh, I love a whodunit. So maybe I'll go peek that this week. As far as games coming out, uh, we've got the third and final DLC for Far Cry 6 called Joseph Collapse coming out this week. Mm-hmm. Also got Oli Oli World, Sifu, Action Arcade Wrestling, Backbone, Crossfire X, Edge of Eternity, Cardboard Kings, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final Chapter, Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 and 2.5 Remix, Kingdom Hearts 3... <laughs> And they're all dropping on the Switch. Obviously, they've been out on PlayStation for quite a while. And Lost Ark coming out this week on the PC. So plenty of things to play, plenty of things to watch, plenty of things to do. Sifu is the one that stands out for me. I cannot wait to play a bit of that uh, martial arts style madness that we've been sort of uh, getting drip fed over the past 18 months. Yeah, unfortunately, it's had a bit of a little tiny bit of discourse attached to it, unfortunately. Um, but I am interested in Oli Oli World because they've added a cute little Danny Trejo in the game. <laughs> they have. Yes. He's just popping up everywhere these he days. He is. He is. Um, but I thought that was very cute. And it's actually been scored pretty well. Yeah. I think that the Metacritic scores and the, the average reviews, are, you know, eights like or eighties and up. Yeah. 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 Looks, looks funky. If you want a bit of a rpg skater game ollie ollie world could be the one for you and some character customization you can make your skater look as close to you or as far from you as possible if you'd like you can be dan today maybe dan actually i don't know if you can actually be him but he's in the game machete don't text all right moving on to this tweet of the week and this tweet comes via way of one of our gaming overlords at rockstar games Mm. and the tweet reads Many of you have been asking about a new entry in the Grand Theft Auto series. With every new project, our goal is always to significantly move beyond what we've previously delivered. We're pleased to confirm that active development for the next entry in the series is underway. So this tweet dropped while I was sleeping. Uh, it dropped about eight-ish hours ago on the internets. Mm. It's, it's news that no one's surprised about, but it's good to know they've actually 
finally acknowledged it and confirmed it. It actually worries me. <laughs> In what like, regard? Like, I, I'm pretty certain a good chunk of us were just kind of hopeful that they were already working on it in the background for maybe a good year or two now. <laughs> and now that yeah. it's only we see this tweet where we're like, we're officially saying that we're working on it. It's like, God, I hope you haven't only just started. <laughs> it, it feels like a more watered down confirmation than we got with the new skate game remember when they did the, oh the trailer gosh, and the yes. announcement for skate remember this that? feels like a more throwaway version of that where they're like it's underway mm. like that could be someone as simply as coming up with the the title of the game yeah this, we have an email the address setting. for it yeah yeah <laughs> like it's exciting this game is going to sell like no one's business like mm. it will end up being a, a top five selling game of all time as is gta tradition and it's going to make rockstar billions of dollars but it feels like like what is it now? it's 2022 now it feels like this game ain't coming out to like 2026 2027 yeah 2026 sounds about right to be honest if this is truly like what they're doing like, like oh yeah we're totally now working on the game yeah 2026 sounds like yeah accurate but they're still making so much money from gta online they're still making so much money now from the hype and hysteria from like the the role play aspect of gta mm-hmm. i can see why they're not in a big rush yeah, they to, don't have to, to bring out really. six yeah. because they're just printing money yeah yeah if it ain't broke don't fix it oh but yeah like i'm I'd love to see it. Like, the GTA franchise is great. I'd love to see what the the next installment is. It's been a long, 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 long time, but I guess it's, it's going to be even longer. Yeah. Luckily, we've got plenty of games coming out over the next... Plenty. ...weeks, months, and years to keep us well occupied as we wait for that inevitable Grand Theft Auto 6 mm. in 2026. We're saying that now. Let's, uh, let's, let's put 20 bucks down on that. Grand Theft Auto 6 coming out in 2026. So... Mm. Yeah, Miss Hart, that brings us to the end of episode 270 of THG. Anything else you wanted to shout out or highlight before we shut the studio down for another week? Oh, I mean, we all got the that news that uh, the Suicide Squad game is now delayed. So That's very true. Yeah, Suicide Squad are not killing the Justice League in 2022. It's nope. going to now be in 2023. It's, it's sad, but I guess it's good they got ahead of it so quick. Like, it's in February and they're like, yeah, it's not coming out at all. So yeah. that's a good hefty delay add it to the list yeah yeah gotham knights still on track for now but God. who knows who knows who knows yeah but uh yeah gotham knights also in development apparently for cw so uh we're gonna get a gotham knights tv show annoyingly it's gonna go the the lighter in tone route that we get with uh the cw based dc shows but who knows maybe they'll surprise us maybe Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, that brings us to the end of episode 270. Thank you, listeners, for stopping on by. Thank you also for uh, turning up in droves for episode 269, the uh, the listener count and the the uh, response that we've had. I was looking at the stats the other day. It's um it's huge. People have uh, been waiting and uh, been waiting very patiently for us to return back. So I appreciate you all for coming out and uh, showing that nice. support and love for episode 269. But we're going to be back next week with episode 271 of the Hungry Games podcast. And maybe between that, we might uh, drop some Bytecast episodes. Maybe one of them will be with Miss Ali Hart. We've got to record that still, but uh, throwing you on the hot seat right now. Oh, no. (laughs) But yeah, 8-Bit Nation, thanks again for being a bunch of legends. But until next time, much love. And stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. I'm so hungry. Haven't had breakfast yet. I'm going to make a smoothie after this, I think. Ooh, fancy.